Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today, we're going to tackle a very important topic. You guys know we've been talking uh, for the last several months and even years here at the show about uh, school shootings that continue to be a blight on this country. Today, I've got a dear friend. Mark Sherwood is running for governor in the great state of Oklahoma. He has quite a bit of experience in law enforcement, and we're going to tackle the topic of red flag gun laws and what can we do to keep our children in our public school system safe. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So welcome back to the show, you guys. I really appreciate you tuning in today and just uh, wanting to engage in this topic. Listen, there are a lot of things happening in our country right now that are very disturbing. And as I was driving into the studio today, I was talking to the Lord about it. We have a soul sickness in this nation. We have a sickness in this nation that is spiritual at its root, and it was going to require godly leaders to address it. The Bible says that uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I watched Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, going to drag queen events and exalting wickedness, what God says is evil. We saw this Kamala Harris did it. We've got to get leadership in this country that understands the difference between good and evil, people who are godly. Uh, The Bible also teaches us that when the wicked are in power, the righteous groan. And that's certainly what's happening right now. Uh, we are we are seeing a soul sickness in this nation. And so one of the reasons I'm very excited about Mark Sherwood's run for governor is that, A, he, he knows the Lord and he does honor God in his medical practice and honor God in his uh, personal life as well as his public life. And I'm excited because he's been talking about this issue, particularly as it relates to the last school shooting that we just saw, the devastation again coming to the state of Texas. Uh, The answer, according to the Democrats, is that we take guns away from law-abiding citizens, that we just enact sweeping gun legislation. We're already watching as Republicans in both the House of Representatives and in the Senate are caving to these uh, stupid ideas. And so Mark is joining me again today, and we're going to pick it up uh, and just talk about this important topic. Mark Sherwood, my friend, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Super honored to be here, and it's great to see you. It's great to see you as well, all, all dressed up in your suit and tie. I told you, I never I know, get to right? see you in a suit and tie. So it's uh, it's evidence that you're running for governor. I love it. So you have been called uh, by the press, obviously, to comment on what happened uh, at this elementary school in Texas. You've got a history of law enforcement. Let's pick it up there. What is your history and why is this topic so important to you personally? Well, as you noted, previously to becoming a naturopathic doctor, I was in law enforcement for 24 years, 10 of which was on the SWAT team. So we had trained for and been involved in these um, you know, mass shootings. We've trained in school scenarios before. Um, I know the tactics. I know the, uh, the purposes, the planning, and all that that goes with the response. And I also understand what goes with the preparation to protect the school. Um, I'll go back a little bit farther to set it in context as well. I was visiting the nation of Israel probably 30 years ago, and and I had an encounter over there uh, by observation and communication that really changed me. I mean, people think, well, you you heard from the Lord. Well, I did, but this was different. Uh, (laughs) I actually saw a school that was guarded by a, uh, an Israeli military soldier. Yeah, they're not messing around over there with their no, security. No, he had like an automatic weapon, and I, being in law enforcement at the time, and find that very curious, um, and I realized it was a school, and I was facetiously asking, hey, is this a school or a prison? 
And, you know, the guy was super nice, but he told me straight up, behind me is our future. These are our kids. No one is going to come in here and attack these kids. At the time, you're not thinking like that. Right. But then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, uh, Jonesboro, Columbine, I suppose. But then now looking back on that time, the least attack schools in the world are the Israeli schools. There's only been like a handful of attacks in school, maybe six or so in the last 50 years. So, boy, does that not become relevant now? So that's a little bit about my background and my past observations. And we've got a massive problem in this country right now, right? So it is, we can all agree that we don't want people going into our schools and and killing innocent children. It's an interesting thing for me to know. You know, I grew up in a small town in Oregon. My, My husband grew up in a small town in Washington State. It wasn't unusual. Back in the 80s and even in the late 70s, it wasn't unusual for kids to bring their rifles to school in these small towns. They brought their rifles. We had gun safety classes. It wasn't unusual for to hear kids were going out shooting with their dads after school or whatever. They would bring their rifles, take them off the rack of the back of their truck, you know, leave the bullets or whatever at the school office. But we weren't having school shootings. And these kids were walking into schools with loaded weapons and unloading the, the magazines at the front desk and giving them to the school secretary. But now we're watching the unthinkable happen over and over and over again. And, of course, gives rise to the conversation. Is the answer to this, is the solution to this, to take guns away from law-abiding citizens? Well, you know that my answer is a resounding no. I think our schools, I think our teachers should have the ability to carry weapons. I think our school schools should have armed guards. What is your take on this, uh, on this important development? Because we're watching right now both houses of Congress Boys to enact what they call red flag gun laws. Well, um, as you stated, guns are not the problem. It's the heart of mankind that's the problem. People kill people. Guns don't kill people. The very first murder was with a rock. And yeah. you got to think about this. Can legislatures legislate morality into mankind? And further, can they legislate you know, homicidal, murderous tendencies and thoughts out of mankind? The answer is unequivocally no. And so the answer does not lie in bringing more gun control over red flag laws. And the red flag laws has all sorts of uh, subjective elements to it that we can talk about in a minute if you like. But those those are not good ideas. When I was in law enforcement, we had those on our books for a time. And so I've got experience in actually executing those red flag laws. And I know the dynamics behind that, too. But when I look at school shootings in general, Uvalde... Um, it doesn't matter where it is. It's, it's the utmost tragedy, and people should be appalled and outraged by it. Absolutely, yeah. Granted. Uh, but with that said, you know, bringing guns off the street is not going to bring murder out of the heart. And I think we need to keep that in mind. There's, there's better ways to protect the schools. Uh, you know, I put forth a three-point plan multiple times that would really – solve the problem, I think, at least put a big deterrent. One is to be just like Israel does, you know, put a big, heavily armed, visible security out front. And I will tell you uh, what I've proposed has got a lot of traction. I've had many people that were ex-military, ex-law enforcement, or just dads or moms say, man, I'm in. You sign me up. And how do you fund that? You quit giving so much money to arm the citizens of Ukraine, <laughs> but you give some of the money here, right? Yeah. And so... That's step one. You've got to create a visible deterrent because these people that commit these crimes, I've looked them in the eye. They are not looking for a place that has any resistance. They're looking for places that have no resistance. They want a bunch of soft targets. They're trying to create as much damage as they can 
uh, before they get uh, confronted. That's their point. The second point of that plan is to have a highly surveilled one-way-in entrance. Now, notice I didn't say one-way exit because you've got to have these emergency exits just in case, right? But you one-way-in and one-way-out unless you have a contingency plan, right? And so the third layer is going to be to put signs up all around the property with something like beware. Yeah, right. (laughs) Someone's going to shoot you if you get on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're taking your life in your hands. you got visible deterrence. you got invisible deterrence. You don't tell anybody who's the armed teachers are. But again, that leads to the question is, should teachers be armed? Well, yes, if you feel competent, confident or trained, no problem. Governor DeWine in uh, Ohio actually signed um, into law that that would be allowed in the schools in Ohio. And I was shocked, but that happened recently. Well, and and the the people who are against this, of course, they're going to say, well, you know, um, people are coming in with ARs, which is say our assault rifle. Is an AR an assault rifle, Mark? Is that what that means? So an AR-15 is basically a style of weapon, a model of weapon. But when you talk about an assault rifle, this means a has uh, multi-capabilities of firing multiple shots in a short amount of time. It's typically a semi-automatic, um, high-powered rifle that right. can have a lot of penetration into and through buildings, walls, and even people. So what do you say? I want to I want to uh, touch on something that I get asked a lot here. So there was a guy on my show recently. We were talking about uh, the, the left in this country and the Democrats talking about assault rifles. And he said, listen, there's no such thing as an assault rifle. What these what that AR is stands for the company that made that rifle originally, right? That's correct. And so when when the Democrats say it's an assault rifle, it's an assault rifle. Well, well, if I pick up a golf club and I go assault my neighbor with it, I just have an assault golf club, correct? Yeah. And so this that's idea, that's yes, that's the logic. And so we're watching too because we, as I was saying at the onset of the show, we have a soul sickness in this country. And we and this is happening all across the world. This is why you see people driving cars into parades of children uh, and, and young people and old people all around the world right now. So are we going to ban cars next? Uh, the solution can never be to disarm the American people. We have we should have. And it's given to us in the Constitution the right to defend ourselves. I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I really do want to talk to you about the constitutionality of this and where we go from here. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
So, Mark, before the break, you and I were talking about uh, your three-point plan, which I really like. So can you – I want to start there again, and then I want to move into the constitutionality of the Democrats wanting to take away our Second Amendment freedoms. But you uh, had a three-point plan, and for people who are scratching their heads going, hey, say that again. Can you just really quickly again say what you think would help in the schools? Yeah, step number one is to put heavily armed visible security as a visible deterrent out front. I'm talking about personnel and cars, right? You see a police car sitting out there, for example, and you also see someone that is armed visibly that you can see, open arm, uh, open carry. And then that's step one. Step two is going to be having a highly surveilled uh, one way in, one way out entrance with, um, you know, cameras, et cetera, on there. And, and you tell people it's a sur- this is surveillance, heavily surveilled on TV, you're on closed-circuit TV, whatever language you want to use. And obviously you're going to have contingency plans to have exits in case of a fire, right? But one way in, one way out. Step number three is going to put signs around that property that will articulate something in the nature of, be advised, some personnel on these grounds are armed. And so you have one, two, three areas of resistance that is clear and overt. I mean, there's a little bit of covert with the sign, but you get my point. And so the bad guys that want to do these type of crimes, they will not go there because they're absolute cowards, and cowards don't like to be confronted. Cowards like to be able to do what they do until they're challenged. So they won't go there because it's a deterrent. Uh, Notice mass shootings, uh, history, there's always going to a place of least resistance. And so you create a place of less resistance, not least resistance. So is a, is a gun-free zone, and so this is the other thing, it just actually just, this just chaps my hide. You, we're talking now openly about creating more gun-free zones as if a criminal gives two pennies about a gun-free zone. The nature of a criminal is that they don't care what the law is. They're going to break it. So whether that law is this is a gun-free zone or, hey, murder, that's against the law in this country. But people who don't uh, honor the law and don't care about it or have a mental illness, which is a whole other aspect, they don't care. So what do you say to the people? Uh, I think the answer is not gun-free zones. I think that's the worst thing we could possibly do when it comes to our schools. I agree. The signed gun-free zone is basically saying, come in here, we're not going to give you any resistance, and you have all kinds of soft targets. Right. To me, that's the antithesis of the answer. The answer should be more guns. And as you said in the first segment, Heidi, the idea of our Second Amendment is a necessity. It's a right, but it's also a necessity to preserve the rest of our amendments. Because you start removing the uh, ability to keeping bare firearms, you are really intruding, intruding upon the initial rights of uh, the Constitution that, that God outlined and it's sort of described the Bill of Rights. But we have to take on the Second Amendment because watch what happens in the countries to our north, um, countries to our west, you know, um, tyranny. And the guns, in my opinion, are the really one of the, the border, clear-cut border lines against tyranny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And we need the Second Amendment in order to protect the First Amendment. It's like, you yes. know, we're we're not having honest conversations, uh, at least from the Democrats' point of view, 
when you hear you know, Joe Biden talk about, well, you know, that, it, that was really that wasn't what they intended. You know, that the founding fathers could never have anticipated that we would have these semi-automatic weapons, except for they did anticipate that the founding fathers absolutely understood what it meant to be tyrannized. And they knew that if yeah. the American people had the ability to defend themselves, the government was going to think twice before trying to enact tyrannical laws and treat their citizens as slaves. And that was the point of the Second Amendment, right? Yes. And the Second Amendment, when you look at those last few words, shall not be infringed, that's the only amendment that has those words. And it's like saying we made an amendment, but you don't need to break any of this ever. You need to maintain this one forever. And I think that's pretty clear, and yet... Now you have this bipartisan agreement that is actually an erosion upon that amendment by enacting these red flag laws that sort of violate that plus the the due process amendment as well. So you have two different things here going on that really, in my book, I mean, I'm not minimizing the tragedy at all, but in my book, both of these are clear, um, uh, clearly against the United States Constitution. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Dale Stark on Twitter yesterday said red flag laws sound great until you realize you're the one labeled crazy for thinking your five year old shouldn't attend drag shows. And that is the problem, right? Isn't that the problem? So what we've said was, well, we're going to let the government determine who should have a gun and who shouldn't have a gun until the standard of the government changes. And we're watching it rapidly happen. I mean, we've got a Department of Justice right now who's going to label a parent as a domestic terrorist. So listen to this, mom and dad. Do you really think that the government, now they've labeled you a domestic terrorist, they're going to come to your door and say, hey, you know, we appreciate your Second Amendment freedom unless you're a domestic terrorist. So now you need to fork over your gun. That's the problem, isn't it? It is. And people need to understand, too, the the Tenth Amendment. I want to bring that to light, too, because... The government, the federal government right now was once looked at and even called the general government because it was supposed to be smaller than everything else. So the state governments of these individual sovereign states, this union of states, this loose agreement, they decided to form the federal government to do things they couldn't do as individual states. And so even in the federal government pushing these agreements out there, let's say they come up with some kind of law, whatever, blah, 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 the states still don't have to follow it. That's the, the ironic thing about this. The states could say, you know, no, we, we appreciate you, uh, but we're not going to follow that. I'll give you a quick example to prove my point is what about the federal government's law that says you, Heidi St. John, cannot possess or sell marijuana? But you can in the state because the states decided that we – we, the people, and the states maintain the power unless we give it up. We didn't give that up to you, so therefore, we don't have to follow that law. We've got our own. So this is going to be the same old thing. And so we're dancing around this um, island and going nowhere once again. Yeah, yeah. It's it's poor leadership. I want to just touch really quickly in the last couple of minutes that we have left on the show today the issue of mental illness, it really is an important issue, right? We've got mental illness in this country. We are awash in spiritual uh, illness, really. I mean, the roots of these, they're moral and mental 
at their at their core. And so I understand people when they say, hey, listen, a mentally ill person shouldn't have access to a gun. And my answer is I look at a mentally ill person just like I look at a criminal. These are people that cannot be reasoned with. These are people that even if you say, okay, we've we've passed this red flag gun law and the mentally ill can no longer have weapons. Well, the whole definition of a mentally ill person is that they're not going to pay attention to whether or not you just told them, hey, you know, we think you're mentally ill, therefore you can't have a weapon. What do you say to people who are like, listen, it's time for red flag uh, gun laws. We already have, I mean, every law that we already have on the book has been broken with regard to guns, has been broken by mentally ill people and by criminals, people who are not mentally ill, they're spiritually ill. What do you say to those people who say, you know what, listen, we've done everything we can and this this continues to happen. We at least need to pass legislation that says that mentally ill people cannot have access to weapons. Well, what you have right now is a society that's perpetually, I'll put my medical hat on for a second here. You have the vast majority, I believe one in four Americans right now are on some kind of antidepressant. Yeah. Again, what is causing that? Well, there's two neurotransmitters to think about serotonin and dopamine, which are formed inside the body from amino acids and the presence of certain vitamins and minerals, specifically B vitamins. Having said that, With the nutrition we have in our world being devoid of both, the lack of development of serotonin and dopamine is apparent. Therefore, we have not treated these mental illnesses, if you will, which is nothing more than a lack of neurotransmitter production in the most times. We have not treated them nutritionally, but we treat them pharmaceutically. The problem with that is that doesn't fix the problem. Many of the psych meds or the antipsychotics don't work well. And it creates more and more. That's why they're always, quote, unquote, trying new things. Let me try this and see if this works. And so we have this epidemic of a reliance on pharmaceutical and an epidemic without looking at the root cause. And then we transfer that to a society that has um, taken God out of school, government, and frankly, some churches. And this is what we have. We have evil abounds when God is removed. We have a lack of true love of other people because God's removed. You cannot love other people or yourself until you understand who God is. So it's a downward spiral. And my concern is, Heidi, that even I get that mental people, criminals, they're going to get guns anyway and do stupid things because they don't care. They can't rationalize that. But over the course of time, we've got to get behind this root cause. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to try to pass Temporary solutions, which is like putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound, it won't work. Yeah. And so the issue, I mean, according to what I'm hearing from you, I mean, the issue is never going to be taking away guns from law-abiding citizens and removing our ability to defend ourselves either from an intruder. Listen, as a woman, uh, I have my concealed weapons uh, permit. I go out and I train to use my weapon. I would think that women especially, right, I know by virtue of the fact of my created being, that I am easily overtaken by a man. I understand that. And so and so to me, a gun is an equalizer, right? I pull that bad boy out of my purse and whoever is coming to accost me or my children sees that weapon and like, oh, you know. And so right. I would think that women especially would want the ability, if they so choose, to learn how to use a weapon so that they can defend themselves. And it seems to me like this is another one of the, the left's, you know, attempts at just remaking this, the, our country in the image of Karl Marx, in the image of, you know, these crazy uh, 
uh, people that have gotten this woke ideology now to seep into our schools and into our government. And the only way to fix it is to elect new leaders. We have a leadership crisis in this country. It is an absolute crisis. It's a state of emergency. Uh, The fact that we are being led down these roads by people that don't value freedom and would like to see our children uh, indoctrinated and have sex change operations and all manner of other uh, ridiculous things. But I'm encouraged because I'm starting to see people like yourself getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. You've got just a uh, you've got a, a great job as a naturopathic physician. You've got a wonderful, thriving practice there in Oklahoma. You don't need to be the governor of Oklahoma, but uh, but the but the state of Oklahoma needs you. And I think that is why this is so important. You've got a primary coming right up. Uh, tell us about it and how people can get behind you. And at least at the very least, we need to be praying. Yeah, coming up on uh, June 28th, so just a few days from now, so it's right around the corner, and uh, we appreciate people's prayer. People can go to Sherwood2022.com and find out where we stand. I, I just encourage you to go there and just commit to pray. Pray for all of us that are getting the right for the race for the right reasons, myself, yourself. Um, we need to commit to pray for that, folks. I'm serious about that. It is a big deal. It's a spiritual battle. Um, people are stepping up like you and I are, are, are really going right out there and facing Goliath. That's exactly yeah. what that is. Yeah, it really is. And uh, we don't have a lot of time to waste now. You know, so many of the issues that we're facing in this country are coming to a head right now. And if we do not get good leaders, if we can't get people into positions of authority, it's not enough. I appreciate people that are standing on overpasses with flags and we're, you know, all those things. But that's not how we change things in, the, in this country. We change them through the legislative process. We change them through people getting engaged and through voting. It's why people mm-hmm. need to get behind uh, electing new people to represent uh, the people of the United States. Mark Sherwood, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, I'm following your race there, my friend. So we're going to continue <laughs> to pray for you. And uh, and just and ask for the Lord's blessing, not only on what you're doing there in uh, Oklahoma, but around the country. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You guys, for more information on Mark Sherwood and his run for Oklahoma's next governor, please go to HeidiStJohn.com and scroll down to the show notes. I'm going to link back to how you can support Mark today. As always, and I've told you guys this before, and I'm going to end on it today. Uh, Mark touched on it. This is a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we are not fighting a flesh and blood enemy, but against uh, evil forces, right? Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is a spiritual battle. It requires God's people to get off of the bench and onto the battlefield to stop being behind these things and instead be in front of them. So I appreciate you guys listening today and uh, we'll keep you posted on Mark's race. Continue to pray and continue to engage in these important conversations. Thanks for sharing the podcast wherever podcasts are available. Get it out there on your social media and also for following my run for Congress as well. Have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.